Blog Talk Radio. This is Patty Holstrand, and this is KWAD Radio. Hey, guess what? It's Thursday. We always love Thursday here. You know, not that we get any weekends off, but, you know, Thursday just seems to be our favorite day of the week. (laughs) We are just happy to be here, and we have a special guest today. And you know what? I'm going to just totally butcher her name, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's Diana Elardi. Yeah, very good. Ah, awesome. Like, like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did a great job with it. Uh, She has, you know, she's a life coach. She's she's into self-help. She's into a lot of things. Um, You know, some of your questions that you had on here was interesting on your PR information. But the the book that we're talking about tonight, today, is A Star in My Hand. It's a collection of short stories that are close to her heart and, of course, close to ours, touching the emotions and engaging the mind of the reader. The book focuses on transitions, those moments when life changes. <laughs> Don't I know it? Pivotal times when fate and feelings blend and transform ordinary events into life-changing transitions. Wow. Yeah. Boy, we, I think we all got stories like that, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. No, but you're not. There we go. <laughs> it wasn't turning off on me. Ah, technology. So we're happy that we're both on Skype, and you know that's uh, we're always happy when when technology actually works to our advantage. Yeah. And and yeah. tell me, tell me um, a little more about yourself. Because you know you you've got a lot of things going on, so I'm trying to grab a hold of all your different threads and figure you out. Yeah, I I do have a lot going on. I always say I have kind of a slash career in the sense that I I do several different things. But um, I have a I have a background in education and psychology and and taught psychology in the early part of my years, and then moved to business and had a uh, really fabulous business career for about 25 years in sales and sales management. Uh, And, um, you know, through a lot of transitions, kind of moved away from that into consulting, into writing, and then um, definitely got the book out. And and I'm, I'm kind of back to my original roots now. I do do some consulting, but predominantly... I do writing, and I also teach for um, Mesa and uh, Chandler Gilbert Community Colleges uh, in the psychology department as an adjunct faculty member. Wow. Well, see, that's part of stuff we didn't have on your information, but you're just, you know, uh, you had some questions, and I, I was very curious about them. All right. I said, what does, what does life look like once the children move on? How well, do you celebrate my uh-huh. first Father's Day without my father. Yeah. Which hasn't happened yet for me. Uh, the ways in, in which love is remembered. How can the garden hose make someone cry? It is filled with humor and with raw emotions that your story is. 
And would you consider this a self-help or would you consider this a memoir or a, a you know, both, really? Yeah, a little bit of both. I, I think what I see the most of is that, you know, many times people will grab in from an emotional level on the stories and there, there are things that people are going through and, and they really may not understand. I mean, many, many of the experiences I had, I, I, I didn't understand. I didn't know where life was taking me, so to speak, after you know, 20 years of raising my kids, being in a similar job, and then all of it's you know, moved on, and all of it is moved on in, in a good way. But it still moved on, and um, and so I had these transitions, and I'm like, how do I pass through these? Or I would meet people that would tell me about their their transitions, and for me, things collided all at once in the sense that my dad was ill, and we were told he only had a year to live. Uh, my, my both my kids left home within two weeks of each other. And the company I had worked for so long and had enjoyed such a great relationship with everybody, it got sold. And and so we were wow. now part of this large corporation and a publicly held company, and there were different stresses and a lot of fear. So all of these events happened, and I just didn't know how to relate and I think that happens with people along the way they you know again like looking back on how do I celebrate my first father's day without my dad um, that story once it was posted several years ago on, on my blog I had people from all over the world uh, send me messages and, and say I, you know like a soldier in Iraq saying I, I don't know how to feel today uh, a woman in England who was pregnant with her first child, and 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 so you know we we have these transitions that happen, and we don't know where our center is anymore. And so I think when we read that somebody else has gone through that, and even if the conclusion is, hey, I don't really know how to do it either. I just know I need to to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. So even if we hear that, sometimes it's enough to to give us hope that. Someone else is sharing that experience, and they're kind of getting through it, too. Mm-hmm. I remember when I uh, was going through a divorce, and then, of course, everybody uh, <laughs> came out of the woodwork, you know, uh, how they had gone through their divorce. And and so, you know, it was like a, it was like a club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all gone through something like that. Either we, we lost, uh, either we lost our loved one or, or you know, we had to move on relationship. So, uh, yeah, it does help knowing that other people, you know, have already gone through it. Very much so. And, and um, you know, the, the stories do touch for most people that emotional side that, that many times we don't get to. So, you know, there, there's some raw, raw emotions in the stories that that do bring out in us that identification that, yes, my, my journey is kind of unique, but it's also universal, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that everybody you know, has their own story. And that's one reason why, you know, I help authors, too, because you know, everybody has a story. Yeah. And they need, you know, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, it really doesn't matter. Is they, you know, they have the right to get it out. And, yeah. Yeah, that's... That's what it's all about, is getting that story out. 
Yeah, I, I would totally agree with you and that that's where it, it it was a transformation for me too because originally the stories were a lot about me and then as I started to kind of explore more in this area I I had I guess I I call them a whole host of characters that kind of came along that told me their stories and now, I, I've got pretty fascinated by what they were going through in, in their journeys, and so that's why the book ended up kind of a, a copulation of mine and other people's stories during these time periods. Yes, your writing is kind of a therapy, I think. Uh, it sounds to me like that's what you're saying, too. Yeah, it, it definitely was for me, because I, I remember the day very clearly that I wrote my first story, and I was just utterly frustrated. I, I, I just didn't know what to do, where to turn, and I just started writing how I felt and, and how it all came together. And once I got done, I, I, I was really taken back. I said, oh my gosh, where did, where did this come from? And I, I'm the person that wrote business proposals and or, you know, wrote documents uh, that were dry, <laughs> certainly not full of emotion. So I had Never in a million years thought that I had these words in me. Yeah, I saw that you said that you you're never really uh, much of a writer before this came out. No, not on this end of it at all. I I was one within our company that wrote the business proposals for clients, so I I was used to writing, but it was business writing. It it definitely did not have an emotional flair at all. It was pretty analytical and strategic in nature, that's for sure. Yeah, that's it. It is two different kinds. But, you know, if you're wanting to uh, sway someone, uh, a little bit of a little bit of emotion, whether you, you know you put it in there or not, uh, seems to help. Yes, yes, definitely. It is, def- it is the tie-in for people, yes. Now, the, the changes that you were going through, uh, all at once kind of thing, uh, your father became ill. Yes. And then both your children, of course, the, the empty nest syndrome, which I just went through a year and a half ago. Okay. <laughs> I identify with that. Yeah, yeah. It might happen You're 20 that. now, but, you know, <laughs> uh, you never know. It's like, this is, it's, we're at it already? And here I thought you were just in kindergarten. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's a good thing and it's a hard thing. And I, I think one thing about the empty nest, particularly in my in my daughter's case because she chose we were living in Colorado she was raised in Colorado and she chose to um, move to Seattle oh, wait, I think wait, wait. The, the thing for me was to be able also to give her a good goodbye to give her my blessing I, I think on here's your here's your new life because I felt when I left because I, I grew up in Michigan and when I decided to move to Colorado uh, with my first husband, um, it was a huge thing in the family. And why are you doing this? And you're breaking up the family. And um, you know, for the, all the years I was away, it, it 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 carried that tone. Gee, we never would have sold the family home if you hadn't moved. And and so it was really important for me to release um, any ill feelings. Uh, you know, I, what I call the selfish side of me. Uh, in relationship to my daughter leaving, I, I really wanted her to go and have wings and have a beautiful life, even though she chose not to do it close to me. Yeah, yeah, and and you know there is a part of us that, that resent a little bit, 
that particular thing happening. But even though we try not to make it, you know, we try to make it look flawless. Right. Uh, and, you know, the kids, they, you know, uh, they know, they sense yes. uh, that, you know, it's, that you're having a problem with it. Yeah, they do. And uh, it, it certainly means, you know, a difference in the relationship. But fortunately, you know, when you're close, you're close. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're thousands of miles away, you know, you still can have so many interactions, especially these days with Skype and, you know. Oh, sorts, yeah. Yes, and all the various technologies that are available. Yeah, that, that does make a big difference now, doesn't it? Because we can yeah. physically see and still talk to people. Uh, that we love on, you know, on Skype and, and other ways. So it, it does change a little bit. I think that, you know, there comes a time there that we had in America a lot more people moving, uh, you know, the family units uh, to other majors, you know, uh, other major states. I know that my family particularly moved from Ohio. Oh, okay. So when I, when I was nine. Uh-huh. So uh, we were the only ones that struck out that far. And then after that, the other some of the rest of the family started following us. <laughs> yes, I well, I have to say I thank God of my my mom's family, and I my mom's family were Greeks, um, and I was the only one that left the state. So uh, I, I think it still remains that way that I'm the only one that kind of wandered off the map, so to speak, in, into the the West, but. Uh, Boy, home is sometimes where the heart is, and my home, you know, my heart was definitely in the Southwest. Hmm. So did this book become kind of like a chicken soup for the soul kind of thing? It, it did in a lot of ways. It wasn't intended on that initially. I, I hadn't really thought about doing a book. I, I, I ha- it took me a long time to really think that I was even an author. Uh, or a writer, I guess, per se. But, um, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, it doesn't have one theme. And, in fact, I am a Chicken Soup for the Soul author also. Uh, I was recently, in the fall, featured in Miraculous Messages uh, from okay. Heaven. Um, and I think the difference is my, my stories encompass a few different themes, not, not like how the Chicken Soup might have one theme in, for a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Well, see, that's something I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So the writing helped you uh, to to heal this time. Did you start writing about this time, the story that you you thought was coming out, or did it take a little while to germinate? You know what? It didn't take time at all. Um, What happened was really it was... So much like I would sit in, a compu- in front of a computer and these stories would just come. They would just flow. Wow. And what happens when I write in particular, and of course I am a short story writer, um, is that the story, the, the framework, um, 90% of that framework will come all at one time. And so it, it is laid out, and there are usually key key phrases, I guess I would say, that really capture, you know, what I think is the emotion of the story. And then it is a matter of, you know, the editing end of it. And my first editor is always my husband, um, and that was something that I never anticipated. In fact, I kept my work from him for a from a long, for a long time, I, I never showed him what I was doing because 
I, I just didn't know what I was doing it. So it took a lot of courage for me to even show him my work. And then as it progressed, it was just kind of a hidden talent, I guess, that he had the ability to edit the work, but also keep that emotion. So, you know, there is, I take liberties, I'd say, with, with writing styles. I'm, I'm not always, you know, if you get the grammar book out, I'm not, not always exact on how I will put things, but sometimes the way I phrase it is almost like a, a poetry type thing, so it gets the emotion across, and he didn't edit those things out. And, and so um, I, it was kind of a hidden gift for me to have him that ability to do this. And um, boy, I, sometimes he gets in on the raw end of a deal if I'm if I'm like married to an idea and no, I I want it this way. But um, you know, I, I I'm just so grateful that I have somebody in my life that can do this and, and help me considerably with my work. Yeah, it does help to share. Yeah, uh, it, it does. And uh, and I did do some writing groups, um, both in Denver and here, and uh, and that helped tremendously, too, in terms of looking at um, my style or how I was phrasing things. There are times you know, we, we have that habit sometimes of doing our sentence structure the same and so being able to have somebody else say, well, if you mix it up a little bit here, it, it, you know, it's going to carry a, a different tone and a different emotion. So, yeah, it was all good. There were a lot of, lot of people that have helped me, and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, it, it, and it does help. It, I, I'm a big advocate for uh, you know, critique groups. Yes. I, I would agree with you 100% with that. Uh, that. That helped me grow considerably. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in Denver, I was really fortunate. Um, well, it, it was kind of a funny story how I got connected with uh, with a, it's a group called Lighthouse Writers. Um, but I had gone to a, a writing class through a wonderful bookstore that's something in Denver called the Tatter Cover. And um, the instructor ran us through some different exercises and said, all right, you know, here's the flower pot on, on, this, uh, on the cell. And described it. And I had a terrible time with class. I, I was, it was the first writing class of that nature you ever taken. And I'm like, God, I don't write on demand. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I have to feel it in order for the story to come, and and so uh, it was very frustrating after the class, but I, I called the instructor, and I said, look, would you meet with me, because I don't know what the heck I'm doing, I, I don't know, you know, do I have something here, do I not, and she was very, very kind, very helpful, and and really loved and appreciated my work, and, and helped me get connected with Lighthouse Writers, which in in the Denver area was very helpful. I, I wish we had something more like this in Phoenix, but it's a nonprofit group that really has the emphasis of helping authors to get published. Mm-hmm. And and there are a variety of different levels of classes, and I was, I, I was very honored to be admitted to a, a, a class that everybody had them published but me, uh, but they felt that my stories were were um, kind of a refreshing voice, is the way he phrased it, and so they had admitted to me uh, to the class. So that that was extremely helpful to me. 
Hmm. Well, it is always good to find people who are like-minded, you know? Yes, very much so. You are mentioned that you have universal themes. What do you mean by universal theme? Um, passing of a parent, I would say, is a universal theme, something that we all go through. Uh, sometimes there's illness in people's lives on their grief uh, on that end of it. Um, and, you know, some of the stories in terms of my, I had friends, uh, two friends that lost husbands for a close uh, time period. And, you know, some of the experiences that they had after that person had passed. Um, and, of course, we've talked about the empty nest. But those are themes that I think a lot of us can identify with. I mean, our, our individual journey in those is unique. Uh, you know, we, we take our own perspective, our own attitudes, and, you know, many times our own religious or spiritual beliefs into those. Mm -hmm. But um, they do carry some universal uh, themes in the sense that they're, they're all experiences that most of us will go through in our life. Awesome. And so that's kind of what I mean by that. Yeah, and and sometimes like you like you said they they happen all at once. <laughs> they do. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes it tough because those are you know universal themes are something that you're going through, and uh, again transition in your life. Now, uh, do you write about uh, what to do about these transitions? I I don't. I I I I could write on that, and sometimes when I I may, I may bring in a story as an example of here is, um, you know, things that happen and then um, when I speak I'll kind of incorporate my psychology background and we may talk about these things. Like so for example I have a story that uh, is about relationships that lends itself uh, real well to relationships, and and um, some of the theme in that that story is what I call an in between relationship, hmm. and this is a relationship that sometimes people have this with their marriage. They're they're in but they're out. I'm kind of here. I'm kind of there, drifting in, drifting out, and I don't know what I want, and so. A lot of times they start looking at the negative rather than the positive. Well, this, the story doesn't offer any conclusion on on that end of it. Uh, but when I talk, I, I, I'll bring that story in as a, a good example of a, a woman that for a long time with her marriage didn't understand what she wanted, and so she couldn't create what she wanted. I, and I kind of relate it to... If we're, in, I hate to use the housewife kind of theme of baking, and I'm not even a baker, but, you know, the the idea is if we want to bake a cake, we don't bring in, in ingredients that we don't want the cake. Huh. You know, or, or, or we're not going to bring in cornmeal or um, the, the roast beef. We're going to put into the cake the ingredients that we want to, to create a great cake. But yet in our relationships a lot of times, we we will look at what we don't want in it, but we never stop to think, what do we want in it? You know, how do we want our relationships to feel? Um, you know, do I want to be happy? Do I want to feel loved? Do I want to feel appreciated? And that's which is you know many times the central themes. 
but people start looking at what they don't want to create and their unhappiness all you know centers around these areas but they don't look at why they're happy where they're happy you know and, and what circumstances and you know it's the type of thing if we want to bring into our lives um, a, a true relationship then we have to really examine what do we want and how do we want to feel mm. and and so when I talk I might bring up things, you know, such as this when when I relate the story. Do you think that women, uh, you know, when they go into their first relationship, don't don't really think about what it is that they're looking for, and that might be one reason why the first relationship may not work. I I think there are a lot of reasons why relationships don't work, but sometimes we do go into it with unrealistic. Um, uh, expectations. You know, gee, he's going to change. It's a real common theme that many times, you know, women have a tendency to pick up or I'll get him to change. And, and the fact <laughs> is we, we start looking at the person as to what they're not mm-hmm. and we forget what they are. You know, there, there's you know, almost that saying that the best trait of someone is also the worst trait of someone. Mm-hmm. We, we start our romances with someone and, and we're real into, oh, they're this way and I, I love the way they handle this. And next thing we know when we're in the relationship long term, we're looking at the negative part. Oh, I don't like it when he does this, which is the opposite of when I, what I loved about him. And and so we we have a tendency to to shift more and more to the, the negative than staying into the positive. I think sometimes. And and I always say one of the things I talk about in my psychology class. I'm not sure if my students quite understand it, but you know I always say the fight about the dishes is never about the dishes. It's hmm. we're always we're, anger always goes down to the next level or the next level. It's not about the dishes, and a lot of times it boils down to I don't feel loved, I don't feel appreciated, but I don't know how to get that in my life. Yeah, I, I, you know, it irritates me when when my significant other uh, starts doing that to me. Says, okay, what's what's the problem here? You're mad at me. You're mad at something else, you know. And then he he starts going through these these, these uh, like ticker tape thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like what is you know he wants to know what is you know what's the real problem here, and so he gets going through things. And of course, it really irritates me because it's like you're, you're not supposed to be trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, well, and we do get irritated as people get closer to what we're really about and, and yeah. in our household. And uh, sometimes my kids joke with me and say, couldn't we have been raised in a, a normal household? But, you know, we looked at those issues you know, that you're not angry what you say you're angry at. So let's get down to the issue that is at hand and let's deal with that. So it's not just a reoccurring thing that comes up all the time, and it's like that that you know itch that never gets scratched because we're we're just constantly giving it a little bit of attention and then walking away from it. Yeah, yeah, that's what he says. It's like you're not supposed to be smarter than me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he is smarter, but the thing is, that he he's uh, uh, one of those uh, really intelligent men that that. that don't quite get the human condition sometimes, so he's uh-huh. got to analyze it. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I'm going to stop here for a second and let everybody know, hey, you know, this is KWOD Radio, and that means that this is live, and yes, that means you can actually call in and talk to us. I know it's a concept, but, you know, you don't have to be there sitting in the dark because I know you're there, and that means you can actually call in or just, you know, if you, hey, yeah, I don't want to talk. I just want to uh, write and let you guys know what I'm thinking. Then, yeah, that's what the chat's for. So scroll down a little bit on that page and, and write in, hey, I'm here, I just just listening and think, think a lot of what you guys are saying. Or, you know, have a question and we can definitely, you know, forward it here and, and ask Diana what she thinks of it. So uh, the phone number is 714-242-5145, 714-242-5145. I also want to let, mention a guest shout out to our sponsors for today. That's Bessie Churchill. She's got a wonderful book about her uh, struggles with her family. Obviously, her her daughter became her son. And, boy, that's that's an awesome story to, to read about. She's got an awesome book about that. Uh, you know, get, definitely take a look at what she's doing. And also Glitter. Glitter is a brand-new phone app that helps us to get in touch with other people and let everyone know what we're up to and different events we're doing and, and keeping, you know, a whole new way of, Connecting the dots. So with that, we're going to talk again about things. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, Star in My Hand is the name of your book. Yeah. How did you come about coming, you know, thinking about the name of your book and, and, and what's the meaning? Yeah, that that was kind of interesting. I, I was debating, you know, you, you know I, was, I kind of had all the stories out at one point, looking at them and going, Hey, what's the theme? How do I do this? How are they connected? And um, and I, I was talking with a good friend of mine, and uh, I had been quite close with um, my um, paternal grandmother, and, and she was really quite a character. And uh, she had the only grandmother I knew that had a telescope and was very into the stars. And when I was when I was small, she she always wanted to make sure I knew where the North Star was because she said, if you know where the North Star is, you'll you'll never never get lost. And um, and I was you know kind of explaining one day to a good friend of mine who knew the story about my grandmother, and I had brought that up, and on. Um, and and uh, and we were talking about my stories, and and she said, well, "What what do they have in common?" And I said, "Well, it just felt like something was just guiding me, like you know that I I couldn't get lost in a person's story. I just knew how the words had to go, and how they had to be expressed." And she said, "Oh, like a star in your hand." Ah. And so I went, "Yeah." I think that's it, and and that pretty much uh, detailed how how the story name came along was from from that. Wow, yeah, that's great. That that's, you know you come up with an idea, and sometimes it, it starts with somebody just saying something. It's very true. Yeah, sparks some idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, on that. I, you know, as, as a fiction author, we get the same thing where you get a bunch of fiction authors together. All of a sudden, we're brainstorming and bouncing ideas off each other that we didn't even realize were there. 
Yeah. It's pretty cool when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, there is nothing more, and I, I swear sometimes I think it's a power outside of me that when certain phrases and certain words come together and you and you just know they're going to resonate with someone and, and you're like, I, I don't even know how I got those words out of me. Uh, but there they are, and 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 when somebody talks to you, and or even sends me an email and says, "Boy, I, I so related to those words," um, you just have to have such a deep appreciation for the fact that they they were able to get to paper, so to speak. You definitely get into some uh, deep conversations here, with uh, regards to women and business. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah, that's that's of course something that you know a lot of women you know we might talk to each other about, but we don't. It doesn't really come out very often, does it? Not anymore. I mean, it it did um, boy long ago in, in the '60s, and even when I first entered the workforce, there there were so many books written about it, and then it just went dormant. It's like we got so far and then we stopped. And um, interesting enough. Um, being in the corporate world and in my job for a long, long time, I, I always say I kind of flew under the radar. I, I um, was in sales and I was very fortunate in the company I worked with that they, they kind of let us alone, so to speak. They, they had this idea that we're like little entrepreneurs and, and things weren't really measured. But once we, we got a little bit larger and numbers um, sales numbers for men and women started uh, being public. That that's when the issues became uh, more apparent, and, and there were some unfortunate jealousies that that occurred there, and and there were other things within the, the organization that were occurring that you know women that would be promoted to a position that a man held, uh, but not the same pay, sometimes not the same title. So, you know, you see these things, um, and, and at first when I wrote the first book, In the Light, or in the, the first story, In the Light, I, I, it was very much, I'd say, from a victim perspective uh, of they are, are doing this to us. I mean, there were several major things that had happened that caused a lot of my frustration along with the little things, and um and so when that story was first written, the first draft, it was very much like a victim. And, and then I had to go back and say, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we're not saying anything, if we're not bringing up the issues, then it's like we're in agreement that this is okay to do. Yeah. And and so I had to really kind of look at the our, all of our parts in it. And, and there are all of our parts in it. I mean, it it still needs to be looked at. Um, out there and and things need to be addressed um, in terms of equality with women in the workforce and right. such and I, I'm sure there are good organizations that address it but I, I think there's still it's still out there and obviously it's still reflected in the pay yeah yeah I yeah I hear a lot you know they that, that subject goes up and down you know it like, does as recently yeah. I heard it again about uh, women's inequality and in, in pay uh, in the workplace, and I thought, wow, is this, this something we've talked about in the 80s? 
<laughs> yeah, Santa in the 70s. And, yeah. 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 And one of the most memorable evenings I ever had um, was in Det- when I was living in Detroit a couple of years ago. And a uh, women's group I was in. And we had some of the original members of NOW show up. Hmm. And, and they were talking about um, some of the things that they did back at, in the day, so to speak, to, to kind of make the point. And one of the stories they talked about was the Detroit Athletic Club um, and how, you know, originally women weren't allowed in. And then eventually when the, um, the car manufacturers started hiring women executives, they, they kind of said, well, you really can't do this. You know, our women need to come in. And they said, all right, they can come in through the, the employee entrance, but they can't come through the front door. And so the the women and now, wow. uh, one night collected high heels. I'm sure it took more than just one night, but they had a truck full of high heels that they dumped on the stairs of the uh, DAC, and <laughs> with a sign that said the real real heels are inside. Wow! And uh, you know, that's right. It's so clever and so, you know, to the point and, um, you know, it, it wasn't like something, it, you know, it had that hint of humor. I mean, it's like, yeah, we made our point, but we weren't like shoving our rights down somebody's throat. We were, we were making sure that they understood the absurdity of the situation and they had story after story like this and it was fairly amusing. It must have been a very interesting time. I kind of missed that part of it all, but some good good stories out of that. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Again, we thought this was a dead issue, but it's in, why why do you think that's an issue uh, that is can't seem to uh, rectify? I mean, women's rights have been around for for so long. Uh, yet we just don't seem to get the real equality in the pay. Do you think it's just because it still continues to be a boys' club? I think to an extent that's true, uh, especially in some industries that it is. I mean, it is changing. Um, I think also the fact that many times women are afraid to speak up and mm-hmm. uh, say something. Sometimes, sometimes even when you do speak up, I know... I spoke up on an inequality, and the next thing I knew, um, my boss was saying, gee, I think we need to do an evaluation on you. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting timing. Uh, and of course, I, I knew I was on kind of the short side of staying within the organization. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, we got so far. And, 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 you know, the fact of the matter is we have a lot more women now that are um, head of households. And unfortunately, most living at poverty level, uh, if there's one theme that I carry when I teach my classes in psychology, it's, you know, get, especially women, get your education because that does make a huge difference for women from either living in poverty level or, or having a decent living. In, um, and, and so I think that fear sometimes, so I'm okay. I'm 80% there. I mean, it's not like we were back where we had a lot to lose, a lot not to lose, so we could voice it. I think a lot of times we're like, well, I'm almost there, so maybe I won't be the one that rocks the boat. Mm. Well, I do know that even if the actual education doesn't help to get a job, it's, I think, especially with women, they feel that they have succeeded in something. 
So yeah. if they can do, if they can get it through an education and and raise a family at the same time, <laughs> and take care of the family, you know, uh, we can do anything. Right. Our minds too. Yes. Yeah. And I think it helps women to to realize that by actually finishing. Yes. Yes. Finishing their degree, I think, is very very important. I mean, one thing I say about education, anybody be a man or a woman, is that it gives you opportunities um, and options in life. And that's very, very important, especially as you get older. Many times people want to exercise those options, and that's when education, having that degree, really makes a difference as to whether or not you can or not. Hmm. I know that we had a couple of people who just, uh, it must have been men, because they decided to log out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, can't stand the heat. Get out of the kitchen. Yeah. I always say. Yeah. So attention, uh, you say attention seems a bit different from some of some stories that you have compared to others. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, attention probably doesn't carry quite the emotional impact that a lot of stories does, but it does carry a theme that a lot of people can identify with. And that being, um, you know, majority of people leave their jobs because of their manager. Mm-hmm. So it, it, the stats out there are, are enormously high. Almost 90% of employees, when they leave an organization, they relate to their manager. And and this is a classic story, be it, you know, male or female, or, or um, that when you don't have a boss that, or manager that's paying any attention to you, where you go into a meeting and um, you're you're told, hey, um, you keep talking and I, I'm going to check my email while you're here. And, and you're like, well, why am I here if you're going to check your email? And, you know, the person that never has time for you, I will see you, I think I have a line in there where, you know, he says, I'll, I'll see you later, but later is never on his calendar. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's so frustrating when you go, I I want a little guidance. I, gee, even a note of, hey, you know, good job or bad job even, mm-hmm. but nothing in there. And, and of course, the end of that story is kind of an eye-opener because this, this particular individual um, on driving home one night had a, a call from his wife who was extremely upset and, and she had told him that she had cancer mm-hmm. and he said, oh, what's for dinner? Oh my. And, and so when when I was told that portion of it, he, he actually did tell me that and I thought, oh, well, geez, what, what chance do my words have? I mean, he, he can't even... He wasn't listening. I mean, we're so out of our body and not paying attention and so stressed on every level of our life. We're not hearing our employees. And more importantly, we're not hearing critical issues from the person that we love the most. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, that, that did carry a little bit different idea than some of the other stories. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I got me. Sorry, I was reminiscing there for a few seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and probably most of us in, in some point in our career has had a manager like that. Yeah, well, yeah, a manager or, or a family member that uh, yeah, just wasn't You're, listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't take it seriously. So, you know, it, it happens. It does happen. 
yeah, it does happen. It's it's hard sometimes getting people to kind of reconnect when they are that out of their their lives. Then kind of that out of body experience, it's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I I found a few of those. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. Had had a, a manic Monday that was uh, interesting, so <laughs> I, I call it a manic Monday. And so those who who know me and I told the story know what I'm talking about. Okay. But it's uh, so you know you, you share these stories and it took a lot out of you do uh, to do this. You, do you suggest that other people actually share their stories like this? I would suggest that, um, especially if people are having points in their life where they're very frustrated and they 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 just don't know what to do, is is to start writing out, writing it out. Let's see what comes out, because a lot of times what I found in my writing were there there were answers for me. There was a, a way to. Uh, kind of deal with the situation or understand the situation a little bit better than I could have without doing this. So for me, in some sense, it was a therapy. And and then, I, as I said, I started meeting other people that started telling me their stories. You know, there was a, a mom, there was one story in the book called uh, Bree's Mother. And uh, Bree and my daughter were very good friends for for most of their lives, and they they still associate, but don't they live in opposite parts of the country, so don't see each other a lot. And and one day after the girls had left for college, and um, Bree was actually at that point she had decided to go to uh, Hawaii for college, but she was living on the Greek islands working. And I, I went by her mom's house on a walk. And I, I noticed her mom was out, and, and she had these beautiful gardens all over the front part of her house that never were there. And I hadn't walked by the house for a long, long time. And uh, I and so I started talking to her, and I even talking about the story that I didn't know her name. I just knew she was Bree's mother, and I'm sure at that point she didn't know who I was. She called me Amanda's mother. And, um, and what she had done, she... Um, she had created the Greek islands on her, on her front. Yeah. And she'd missed uh, her daughter so much that um, she would, she studied the different flowers and she had the different islands named and she, you know, like Mykonos had a lot of roses and 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 the various islands. And um, I, I just was so touched by her story and how she had decided that this is what helped her feel closer to her daughter um, once she left home. So, you know, she created this incredible garden that people were driving by and stopping and looking at and and never knew anything about flowers, Uh, never had planted anything in her life, she told me, (laughs) until that time. So, you know, it's just like, oh, what, you know, is this what women do once they become empty nesters? Do we have this whole creative side that comes out and, you know, we add some different type of beauty to the, to the world? Okay. Did you, uh, now you go out and speak about your book and about these things that you found to be true. I do, yeah. I will go out and usually do a reading and then we'll talk about um, something related to the reading. So if it's, 
in terms of um, grief. Uh, there are several stories where they will you know, talk about, you know, we, I mentioned my um, Father's Day on what do you, how do you celebrate the first Father's Day without your dad? And, uh, and just, you know, getting by in the different stages that you go through with grief and how grief um, uh, can affect us. Um, I, I have a couple stories that were kind of a miraculous um, experiences. Uh, the one that was in Chicken Soup, which is called uh, A Simple Answer, was a very good friend of mine who suddenly lost her husband five days from being diagnosed with cancer to the time he had passed. Mm -hmm. Fairly young man um, in his uh, early 60s. And um, a month later, she is walking the beaches in uh, at Lake Michigan. And he had always given her a $100 bill for her birthday. He gave her a card, $100 bill inside. And, uh, and she was walking the beach, kind of having this conversation with them of, will you help me? You know, will you guide me? And, you know, do I have a sign on this? And she was kind of picking up stones and throwing them into the water and came along with her foot and felt something and thought, you know, got excited, thought she had found a, a dollar, and the reality was when she picked it up, she realized it was a hundred dollar bill. So, oh, wow. found a way to get a <laughs> hundred dollar bill on her birthday and kind of acknowledge, yeah, I'm, I'm still, still with you. Wow. So, did you find that once you got it down on paper, it was completely different when you had to actually speak it to uh, others like that? You know, once I get it down on paper, well, that, that's kind of an interesting question, Patty. Because um, once I got it down, the, the thing that I became challenged with then is how, how do I read these stories to <laughs> yeah. someone else? You know, and, and, what, and actually what I did was I, I, I did hire a coach to help me with my first speech because I was talking about becoming a writer and then reading my work, and um, in needing to really express the work, you know, real, uh, when, how do I say that? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so, you know, I wanted the words to, to really reflect the emotion. I didn't want them just to be read, but I wanted them to really carry the emotion that they were written. And, and so that took a little bit of time for me to, to kind of get some, some good grasp of that, and I would have to say that when I do readings, it it's almost like a pen could drop in the room, mm -hmm. uh, literally. The I, and I I spoke with a luncheon group uh, not too long ago. They they were the women were uh, during the whole meeting, and the leader was trying to kind of get their attention and do the business end of it, and they were chatting and talking, and I thought, oh boy. I'm going to have my hands full on this one because, it, you know, there there's just going to be this undercurrent. And once I started reading, I almost felt like I'd hypnotized the group or something. They were just all looking at me so intensely and and just hanging on each word. Wow. Um, and it, it, it just created a, a completely different feel. So, um, you know, really honoring those the way those words are written is very important to me when I speak. 
No, that's good to know that, you know, you did uh, hire a coach in order to, you know, be able to help you to get the emotion that you were looking for. I, I definitely felt that was one of the best things I could have done. Yeah. 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 yeah, really, really glad she helped me immensely in just a really short period of time. I was reading about the fact that you you come you've come from Detroit, uh huh. Which uh, of course I'm from Ohio, and uh, you know a lot of things about what's going on in Detroit. But you were a featured author there. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you find that going back to your roots has helped you to uh, you know be able to get known in that area? I I would have to say this, and it is kind of interesting that since the time that you and I uh, connected with uh, some of this information, I've even had more opportunities open in Detroit. Um, I would have to say it was more the courage to show my work to mm-hmm. someone um, that made the difference in Detroit initially. Uh, so what had happened, you know, prior to that time, I had a business life and I had my written, you know, my writing, and I had been doing a project for a nonprofit that dealt with uh, the homeless, and I had I had met the board director. In fact, she was the one that said, "Gee, could you she lend us a hand?" and and so I said, "Sure, I'll, I'll, you know." And this was on the business end, and I had gone to lunch with her, and I asked her about her story of how she got involved with um, the the homeless uh, coalition, and uh, and she told it to me, which was, you know, very much involved with her getting off of the bus for almost five years and seeing the same gentleman uh, year after year, and he was a homeless person, and kind of seeing him. Um, you know, each year look a little bit worse, and one night there's a horrible storm out, and she is trying to get to the bus and stay dry, and she almost collides with him, and he has no hat on, no no rain gear, and is soaking wet, and she tries to give him her umbrella, and he says to her, lady, if you really want to help me do something to make a difference. And and so after that, that's when she said, yeah, I, I need to do more than just write a check out to, to help them, and she got involved. Well, I was so touched by her story, I wrote it, and I had, I felt like in a way I crossed a line because I never, for any of my business clients, said, here, I've got this a whole other side of me that's out there. And um, but yet I felt real compelled to give her her story because I really wanted to honor her her journey, and so I did. And and she was floored, and she had a lot of connections, mm-hmm. and so said, you know, would can could we use this story to help give homelessness a different face and the whole idea of you know giving, and and show people what a difference will make. And of course, sure. And and so that's what happened. And ironically enough, uh, a couple months ago, she connected me with uh, Thrive Detroit, which uh, is a newspaper that helps homeless people in terms of them being able to sell uh, these on the street. Um, and so they asked me if I would become a feature writer for them. So I've been submitting work to them, and then more recently, another publication out of Ann Arbor, seeing my work there, who also serves the homeless, is asked, 
would you, you know, submit some stories to to our organization for our our um, readers and uh, to support us? And uh, of course, uh, I, I, you know, it's kind of my way of giving back. I, I was very honored to do so. So. Some of my newer work that isn't in the book or even on my blog has dealt with just some tremendous stories that I have pulled up on um, homelessness. Well, I think that Detroit is, is having a, a, ma a major problem right now, and so I think that's probably a good area for you because of that. Uh, there's a lot of area pockets of, of, of uh you know, uh, homes that are just left un, uh, abandoned. Uh, it's it's becoming a, a crippled city. You know, city. And so it's, uh, it, you know, having been from that area uh, around Michigan, it, it's sad to see a huge city like that becomes. Uh, I don't even know the word for it. It's uh, because it's just you know, I hear about these things and 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 think, wow, uh, a huge but important industrial city like that uh, has become more of a skeleton. It is a shocking uh, thing to see. The first time I went down to uh, Detroit, uh, and it was actually to meet with this organization, I felt like I had been physically pit, I guess is the only word I can say with that. And I got down to the area where where this office was, and it was the only building standing on the street. The rest of the buildings were either abandoned, uh, burned down, half, half standing. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember I went back to my sister's house, and of course coming from Denver, living in Denver for 30 years where they revitalized so much. Mm -hmm. I, I came back to my sister's house and I said, what the heck happened to Detroit? And she said, what do you mean? And I'm like, what do you mean? What do I mean? I, I can't imagine cities looking like this. And, and and how could this have happened? I mean, I heard the, the stories. Uh, I certainly had gone down to Greektown at other times when I had been in town. But uh, just the whole magnitude of the, the destruction of the mm -hmm. city was overwhelming. I mean, they have 26 square miles of empty land. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think they're down to a population of around a half a million people. Right. Which is, uh, it's just, it's again, that's just a staggering number compared yeah. to what it used to be. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I mean, there are some wonderful things going on in Detroit. There's some fabulous technologies. In fact, I was at a networking group not too long ago, and a gentleman that does um, home improvements, he said, look at this new item that came out, and it was invented in Detroit and produced in Detroit. And, and so, you know, going back, you saw the technology side, and, and there are so many brilliant people, you know, Michigan's education, um, you know, is so high in terms of the, the general population, and, and they're bright, and they're creative people, and they do amazing things, and they're amazing technologies that if they only had a little bit more funding, a lot of this could go out. And so you saw that side of it. You saw people recreate their lives in, in such ways that were hard to imagine. I mean, when I went there, I always used to say, you know, I chose my life. I chose to leave my corporate job. I chose to move to Michigan and, and live the way I lived. 
But there were a lot of people that never had that choice. I mean, they right. had to, their backs were to the corner, they had to, or to the wall, and they had to refigure out life. Um, and I, I certainly admired what people did, and um, it, it was, it, it was inspiring. I, I think to a lot of degree, more so than any other market I've seen, they, they pulled together a lot. Because everybody knew, what, you know, if I help you, then hopefully you will help me. And we got nothing to lose here because everything's kind of gone at this point from the way we know, we have known it for so many years. So it was an interesting time. And, you know, that is, is the way it should be. Uh, you know, we help others, others help us, and it goes around in a circle. Yeah, and it really does happen that way. Uh, you know, I, I have, can't tell you. How, well, I'm sure you know, uh, having you know gotten these stories, and and you see it all the time. Um, that you know, how come other people can't see it? I don't know. They they have blinders on. Well, I guess all things in good time on that end of it. But yes, I mean it. It is. It is definitely. Uh, it was a wonderful experience seeing that. I do have to say I felt very, very privileged. I felt privileged that people that literally had lost their jobs or about to lose their home would come up to me and say, how can I help you? And I'd be going, oh, my gosh, how can I help you? You know, it, right, right. It, it's like I, I'm still stable financially and, and, as I said, here by choice and building by choice. But, yeah, it was it was humbling. It was inspiring. Um it was a difficult time in my life because of everything that was going on with, you know, the last year of my dad being alive and his uh, last month or so of life, uh, being away from my children as far away as I was. So there, there are a, a, a lot of good and a lot of rough patches through during that time period. Yeah. That's why the garden hose made me cry, which is one of my, my key stories from that time period of just... Just seeing a garden hose and it inadvertently traveled from Colorado to Michigan with us and and just seeing it one day after being out for a walk and seeing it attached and being used at, at a different home and it it kind of put me over the edge one morning. So wow, wow. <laughs> Interesting. Sometimes it's just the garden hose that made it's just well, yeah. Obviously, it was not just the garden hose. It was it was a symbol of your of your changes. It was. Yeah. It was. It was just like one more thing in my life that was in a different place and used. Yeah. It. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's new for you? What's what's in the wings? What's going on? Um. Well, I have just been asked to be part of an author's uh, panel for Reawaken, which is a, a, a nonprofit group uh, for women in transition. So I'm excited about that. That came about just recently, last night, um, and uh, I'm ready to take on this new challenge of writing for this new paper in Ann Arbor. Um, and I am looking for other opportunities to speak and, and also, you know, obviously to read my works uh, here in the Phoenix area. Uh, so that's predominantly what's coming on. I, I've got a class I will teach during the summer months uh, for uh, psychology over at Red Mountain. Um, and uh, I'm doing a little bit more uh, business consulting. So I've got 
things out there. I'm working on a business book with a, a former colleague of mine. And this one is really geared for helping smaller businesses that are growing and want to hire a salesperson. Um, I spent you know, 25 years in sales and a good portion of that as a sales manager. So um, one of the things I discovered why it was in Michigan and some of the groups I was involved with is people have a lot of frustration on how to hire a salesperson. So uh, this kind of outlines what's important before you start with a salesperson, how to set up commission plans, and some management ideas so you stay in touch with that person so you don't have an employer writing a story like attention about you. <laughs> so, Yeah, that's interesting because I, I recently been looking at getting help too. It's like not something I wanted to do, but it's that stage, you know, where you can't move forward until you do something. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, so that that's what's um, on my agenda right now. Have yeah. you have you considered, uh, and I'm just going to throw it out because it came to my head as you were telling me what you were looking to do, uh, have you considered going outside of the Phoenix area, doing some uh, some speeches outside of, you know, like the smaller towns? Because I happen to know that a lot of those smaller libraries are just hungry for this kind of, you know, uh, reaching out and, and, and uh, inspirational work. Yeah, I would love to do that. Um, I I love working with a group, and I um, it, ironically enough, in in Michigan, the first part of my years when I started teaching psychology, I did so in an outreach program. So I was out in a lot of smaller uh, communities uh, around Lansing, Michigan, and mm -hmm. so I really enjoy going into those type of communities. So yeah, I would definitely entertain that. Yeah, I'd love that. Good. I'll keep you in my list then. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So you've got the business book. Now tell us how to get to it. The business book is still being written. Um, and so it's it's a ways away yet. We've, um, we're about not quite halfway through it. So it, it's going to be a, a little bit of time before the business book is out. Uh, and, and since that time, I, I still have my blog going. I still have my hand. Not quite as active as it was, but uh, I am putting up some new things now. Um, so there will be another uh, a book coming out. Um, a writing style seems to be changing a bit. And I am writing what I call most, well, what I've dubbed them as comp um, stories that are kind of compiled, so compilation stories, I can call them. Uh, and these are stories that, unlike in Star in My Hand, all of these might deal with one person's life or in their experience. These are kind of taken from several people's experience. So a little story that I heard, you know, from this person or something that happened here and, and kind of added together. So the, instead of being, um, you know, as I said, they're more compilations of things rather than just one story. So I'm kind of playing with that and seeing where that will go uh, and and trying to produce some pieces around that. But it's been kind of interesting on that. I, and I'm pretty happy with the work that I've come up with, although in a way I kind of feel like I'm not true to my roots um, because I was so um, centered on honoring people's stories. Um, and so these, these are a little bit different. So we'll see what happens with it. 
Well, I wish you all the luck, and I know we're, we're past the time, but that's okay. We're cool. And uh, so thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about your book and, of course, your experiences. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it very much. It was very kind of you to have me on tonight. That's not a problem at all. It's, it's, we enjoy talking to authors and, and definitely love to get your guys' work out there. Uh, so for everybody, you know, take a look at uh, at Facebook. You're on Facebook, correct? I am uh, on my own blog called A Star in My Hand. Okay, and I put that on there already, guys. You can take a look at that. Also, she had a website that I added. So that way you guys can take a look at and find her. And uh, definitely take a look at it. I think her cover is definitely interesting to look at. Again, obviously, it's a star in the hand. What else would there be a picture of? <laughs> yes, really. Yeah. Yeah, I was fortunate <laughs> to have a great artist on that one. So yeah. it def- definitely works because, again, it's, it's bam. It's, you know, that's uh, very descriptive. And, of course, this, the the, uh, the title is interesting. So to get you guys to you know, take a look at it. Uh, you know, take it to heart and, you know, share stories because, you know, that's, that's how we all connect. Very true. Yeah. Thank you again. You're welcome. So with that, everyone, I am on my way over to, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to the Queen's Pizza. So for those who are listening who are saying, gee, when is, when is she going to get off the radio so she'll get over here? I am on my way, people, Okay. So this is K-Rod Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand signing out. Thank you.